0: Hello and welcome to episode 136 of the Startcast, Press Art Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I am your host, Ewan Roxburgh, and I'm joined today by my fellow gamers, Stephen. Hey, friends. And James. Hello. I'm glad I've got you guys on the podcast today because uh, we've been talking a lot about Sea of Thieves, right? And I don't know if you guys saw, but we now know what the whole roadmap for Sea of Thieves content is going to look like for the first year. Did you guys see this in the week? Um, I did. I didn't watch the video, uh,
1: so I don't think I've actually seen the roadmap because no one made, like, a nice JPEG.
0: Um- well, <laughs> fortunately for you, I've noted it down. The game's first oh. content pack, The Hungering Deep, arrives in May, uh, though it's the first six content though there are six content updates that will be releasing in 2018, Um, and it's all going to be free as well. Uh, The Hungering Deep is going to feature a new enemy threat that crews will have to seek out and defeat during a unique event in the game's world, all the while introducing new mechanics for players to master throughout their adventure. So it kind of sounds like we were talking about, right? Like uh, having sort of like random public events, uh, like Destiny has almost?
1: Yeah, I kind of hope that it just goes... Um, obviously, like, they're going to flesh out quite a bit. I th- it sounds like they're going to flesh out quite a bit of stuff, which is really cool. Uh, but, like, the way that it talks about, like, a new enemy threat sounds very singular, you mm. know? <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm just being super, like, selfish or, like, unreasonable, but, like, I just... I feel like they have to add a little bit more than that. Um, although they have said, you know, um, quite a... They haven't just said that it's enemy threat. There's, like, special new mechanics and stuff. So I'm be- it, keen to see how it goes. Yeah. Are you excited for this
0: one, Stephen? I'm
2: kind of curious to see whether it will be something that you can do as just like one squad of people or will it be kind of like that public event where I will be one of like 10 crews all fighting this large, hungering, deep enemy threat, whatever this ends up being. Like, I kind of would be okay with either of them, but Mm. I'm curious to see which one it ends up being.
0: I kind of like the idea of like different crews kind of coming together, much like you do in Destiny, I guess. I I guess I'm drawing that illusion again there. Um, But having, you know, like a bunch of ships and like a big naval battle against some fleet of ships maybe or like an even bigger sea monster, I don't know. Um, Especially if like 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 at
2: the end it would be amazing if, okay, we've all taken this down, we've all done this as a team. Who gets the gold? How do we decide? We're pirates, we shoot each other and the last man standing takes it all.
0: Yeah, that would be cool if you kind of... You know, there's, like, loyalties are formed and then broken all in the high seas. Oh uh, man, what do you survivory. think... What would you be hoping for for the rest of the year, do you think, James? I think the same. Well, I I just hate how
1: vague they are with this, but, like, mm. I, th- I I think, like, as long as it's regular, uh, they're going to keep the content coming and it just makes Sea of Thieves fun to play beyond, you know, what I've already played and kind of put it down for. Um I find it interesting as well just like really quickly they've put the paid DLC which was going to just be like cosmetic pets and stuff on the back burner Mm. um, which makes me think I think they just realised they've kind of stuffed it up a little bit they have to focus on the stuff that matters more than the cosmetic stuff so...
0: Yeah, that seems like a pretty good reaction. And I'm kind of impressed by how quickly this seems to be coming out as well. Like, I feel like the game isn't really all that long out. And to already have a new content kind of dropping next month, I feel like that's quite a quick turnaround, um, which impresses me a bit. But can uh, can you see the roadmap extending beyond the end of this year, do you think, Stephen? They're only talking about 2018 at the moment, but do you think we'll see content into 2019 as well?
2: I guess it depends on how many people keep coming back to play when these new, it looks like there's three separate pieces of content planned for this year. So mm. if, you know, if it gets to the third piece and it's just sort of dwindled down to nothing, I guess they'll, you know, throw it in and that yeah, will well, see if Thieves. We gave it a try, but hopefully it keeps going. Cause I, yeah, I'm, I've said it a bunch of times, even on this podcast, like it's really, it's so much fun to play. And if it does have, I guess, kind of structured missions to do that are beyond these fetch quests. I'd be all about doing those. It's just a matter of those pieces of content arriving, yeah. I guess
0: yeah i'm still yet to play it myself but you know at this rate like if content keeps going and it kind of keep maintains an audience um i could see myself sort of jumping into it a bit later um i also recommended it to my uh what 12 year old cousin the other day he was looking for a new game to play in his xbox and i was like well i've heard some pretty positive things about sea of thieves like maybe you want to try that out so maybe i'll hear his verdict on it as well um but yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe we will. He lives over in the UK, so that might be a bit challenging. Ah. But hey, we manage time zones pretty well here. He <laughs> um, lived in the UK for a bit. I did. True, actually. We made that work. Uh, besides the of though, we've been talking a lot about Battle Royale games as well in the podcast over the last couple of weeks, and it seems developers have been too. Uh, Black Ops 4 is rumoured not to have a campaign, but maybe a Battle Royale mode. Um, so firstly, let's talk about this Battle Royale mode. Um, James, can you see this working in a COD game?
1: Uh, I don't know. Who knows? Um, I probably would have said years ago that I can't see zombies working in such a serious shooter kind of game you know and now that's something people buy the game for would, um, would you
0: consider cod a serious shooter game i've always kind of considered cod a, to be a, maybe more of an arcade shooter obviously not the I same mean, way that like overwatch no, but, is an but, but arcade what i mean shooter, is but... it's like like so when
1: zombies first happened that was what world at war so by that point the games before had been pretty serious in terms of their tone and stuff that's what i kind of mean
0: yeah uh, i suppose yeah
1: yeah i don't mean serious as in like yeah i know realism I know or anything yeah, yeah no <laughs> um yeah, I, I just, like, I feel it can't help but feel this is a little bit of a cynical attempt to cash in on the Fortnite popularity bandwagon, you know. Mm. Um, but, I mean, having, a like, a big-budget Battle Royale game with a COD money behind it would be kind of interesting to see how it turns
2: out, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, it certainly interests me. What about you, Stephen?
2: I think it'll be really interesting to see how uh, it's such a departure from the way that call of duty multiplayer works it's all kind of about these really small or comparatively small scale super fast super twitchy like it's all about that instant gameplay and most battle royale games it's a map you know big enough to fit 100 people and the weapons are kind of designed in such a way that they can be used over long distances and stuff like that whereas call of duty everything is all about that up close you know Even you've got like rifles and stuff for long range, but long range in a Call of Duty game is not anything compared to like PUBG or something like that. So Mm. I think they'll have to make some pretty massive changes to how the game works, I guess. Like, is it going to be any different to a Last Man Standing match? Is it just going to be that on a bigger map? It's sort of hard to tell.
0: Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it'll operate on the same sort of scale, like hundred player, or if it'd be like more of a kind of search and destroy sort of take on it. I don't know. Um, but I'd be, cu- I'm curious about yeah, like like you said with the map design, like we've never seen anything kind of remotely open world from a call of duty game they've obviously always been very sort of tightly controlled environments and you're right like we've not even really i can't really remember a cod game where you've ever had to like factor in bullet drop and stuff like that like the kind of things that you kind of work with on a large scale map um such like like in fortnite Um, yeah it seems like something that would fit
2: more naturally into battlefield that kind of larger scale game than call of duty
0: yeah, well, funny you say that, because well, I think I saw some rumours about yeah. that today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, I,
1: I just... Like, I think about the COD cycle and how I think it's three years now, is it, for each game? So, yeah. Uh, Fortnite blew up, what, mid-last year? Was it? Uh, I mean, early? it only really oh, blew up early this that. year, really. Like, it's yeah. been around
2: mid-last year, but, yeah, it's only sort of blown just, up in know, the it last month. late
1: last year, I think, it blew up. Like, how rushed this might be, you know what I mean? Like, in terms of... It just seems... I don't know. I just feel like they wouldn't have had it ready yeah. until late, if that makes sense.
2: Will yeah. it just be Last Man Standing, but they call it Battle Royale now?
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a good game mode, though. I'm totally up for it being included in other games, but you know, whether or not it's as good a fit for like all these games that seem to be including it now, I don't know. Like we were talk, we talked about it a bit this about, like, last week, yeah, like, what kind of games it would fit well with. Hmm. And I think, like, Grand Theft Auto, like, Red Dead, it kind of makes sense for those kind of games. But, yeah, like, a COD, maybe more of a Battlefield game than a COD game. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see kind of how COD players react to it as well because it's obviously... It would require a much different play style than I think most COD players are used to. Um, Definitely, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting... It's an interesting move. I wonder how much more of this we're going to see. Um, the lack of campaign, though, like, James, is that is that a big deal? Uh, oh, it, you know, I, th- I think so. Um,
1: I don't really have... You know, obviously I can't talk for exact numbers, but I, I am sure that more people play multiplayer and oh, zombies yeah, or whatever sure. than the campaign. Uh, but I do know that a lot of people still do buy Call of Duty for the campaign and stuff. Yeah. And... But then, like, I think about it, and Black Ops 3, from what I understand, where that went in terms of uh, the story and the plot. Like, I think Brody referred to it as, like, Kojima-esque nonsense. Like, maybe they just realised that maybe they're kind of done with campaigns, you know what I mean? They must have, I feel like they must have the data to kind of, to make this decision, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. They, like... And I, I feel like with the campaigns and stuff, that's the kind of thing they've always been trying to you know, kind of add features to it. They never quite stick. Like, I remember when COD went... I can't even remember which game it was. had four-player co-op campaign, and that was kind of a big deal. But then no one really talked about it after it came out. Um, mm-hmm. I can't even remember what game it was from. Um, but I think it's just, yeah, I think they've just... its just, It could either be a flash in the pan, sign of the times kind of thing that we'll forget about by the next COD, or... Um, yeah, it's just so funny because we always go back to... Like a bullet point, which is like, wow! Like they're bringing the campaign back. I bet that's what they're going to say about the next COD. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and Ooh. they're going to kind of talk about how they took something from us and then gave it back, as if that's a really cool kind of feature. I'm just expecting
0: yeah. that in the future. I can see that happening. I've, I'm kind of a bit disappointed by this because I've I, I've enjoyed the the last kind of couple of COD campaigns. Actually, I've joined. I've enjoyed most of them. I'd say um I, th- I thought the black ops was great obviously the modern warfare trilogy was really good too um i really enjoyed the most recent one as well in world war ii um i remember i think Brody was in the chat this week as well saying that he was quite disappointed to see that the campaign wasn't going to be there and he wasn't going to buy the game as a result um steven do you think like without a campaign that the inclusion of a battle royale mode would be enough to justify a purchase for you
2: I mean, maybe this explains where the dev time's going. If they're not making a campaign, maybe they can make a good Battle Royale mode. But Mm. at at the same time, it's definitely not a draw card for me. Like, I don't need another Battle Royale. As as much as I enjoy Fortnite, I don't need Fortnite, but with real guns. Like, it just doesn't really appeal to me.
1: I think, just like quickly as well, Call of Duty is like one of the only games that kind of has stuck to the season pass guns. Um, where all the other games are kind of going more towards the, uh, you know, the microtransactions, but free DLC kind of model, even though it does both (laughs) now. Um, I do wonder, like, how, like, a game that's really only in vogue for a year, like, will kind of take that Battle Royale thing. Like, I feel like, for example, Fortnite has, I'm sure that has a plan for at least the next year and a half or something. Yeah. Whereas with COD, like they kind of Activision kind of could drop that a year on um, for the next mm. COD or something. Uh, mm. Although I guess it's 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 all changed so much now. Like Zombie Chronicles came out quite some
0: time after Black Ops came out, so who knows where it's going to go. Well, we'll just have to to wait and see what happens with that rumor, I guess. But speaking of rumors, a new Bioshock (laughs) game is apparently coming. Uh, This comes the way of Jason Schreier over at Kotaku who has uncovered that a 2K studio is working on a new top secret Bioshock game. He uncovered this information whilst researching what happened to the team that created the last Mafia game who was subsequently merged with an existing 2K studio to become Hangar 13. Uh, I don't know how you guys have, I don't know how much of the Bioshock Games you guys have played. I'm a, personally a big fan, uh, Stephen. What would you hope for? Do you think for a new post Levine Bioshock game?
2: I think it'll be interesting to see where sort of story and themes go because, hmm. like, I really enjoyed the first game. I didn't play the second, but I I quite enjoyed Infinite as well. But I think a little bit after Infinite came out, there's been some ongoing discussion about just how I don't know the the themes in that game, how they were not terribly consistent. The fact that it sort of brought up the whole racial stuff at the start that never really sort of amounted to anything so I know they'll have a lot of uh, I guess a lens on them making sure that if they do want to deal with any heavy themes that they do it in a I guess respectful and actually interesting way rather than just saying hey we have isn't it bad about how this happens to certain types of people and then let's shoot everyone over there like it was a big big topic of conversation that's going to be Yeah, very interesting to see how they take that in a yeah there's always a lot of
0: like threads going on in Bioshock games right and they're not I don't know I yeah they're not always kind of coherently stitched together I guess but um, I felt like Infinite was kind of a bit sort of definitive in the way that it sort of explained everything and I love the sort of approach they took with it but I sort of I don't, I don't know if I really want to kind of go into unpacking Infinite all that much and it's kind of ending because um, I imagine there's still a lot of people out there that kind of want to play it, especially with a new one potentially coming out. Um, but it kind of explains, I guess, like why Bioshock games are the way they are. And I'm just like, I don't know if now knowing that a new game would work in the same way that I think they would struggle to build upon the universe that Ken Levine's created in a sort of meaningful way. Um, but do you think they could sort of like take a different route with it, James? Is there the scope within the Bioshock universe to, to play around with and sort of yeah. do something radically different? I
1: mean, the way that I see it is like, you've set the expectations with the first three games um, and now is a really good time to try and subvert
0: them. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I know what you mean, Ewan. I like, feel like that's what Infinite so, did, though. Like, it subverted expectations. Like, can yeah, you now let's. Can subvert you subvert it again? It again? Is that, no. Can you do that? Like, <laughs> like, I feel like you have to be just to do that. <laughs> what if it's just a Bioshock Battle Royale? <laughs> you know, like,
1: uh, <laughs>
2: oh, no. Nah. Who but, can build um, the biggest, like, postmodern uh, utopian society? <laughs>
1: yeah. I just, yeah, I don't know. I think. I know what you mean, Ewan, but, like, I, mm. I, f- I feel like they still could do something with it. Um, of course, like. They probably never intended to. Uh, the way that Infinite ended was pretty definitive, especially the way that the DLC tied back to the first game. Yeah, um, but I, th- I still think they could do something for sure. Um, they could even do something that deals with the themes in Infinite um, a bit better than they attempted to. You know. Yeah. Um, and I th- personally feel like, for as an example, like Mafia, that game had a really good, like, kind of world-building kind of setup. Um, a super racist America in the... I think it was the 60s or the 50s. I can't remember. Um, That team, like, being behind creating the world of a new Bioshock game would be really cool, I reckon. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Although, I understand, yeah, I totally understand what you mean, Ewan, but, like, I don't know, I just... I would really like to play a game like Bioshock
0: again. Um, Yeah. And I feel like no one else is making them, so... Absolutely. I agree. I would I'd love to play another Bioshock too. Um, especially if they're able to sort of strike a better balance between sort of gameplay and storytelling. I feel like that was most notably, kind of like what let down um, Bioshock Infinite mechanically was that you'd sort of go from running and gunning to this kind of cinematic set piece. And it was like, oh, okay. Like they sort of felt a bit odds with each other. They felt like a story with a game sort of forced into it rather than a game with a complementary story. Um, so yeah, if they're able to sort of strike that balance a bit better than they did with Infinite 2, uh, I think there's room for improvement there as well. But uh, we'll wait. Ha- we're gonna have to wait and see. I imagine that one is uh, some time off. And speaking of time, it's gonna take some time to build Nintendo Labo toys. Have we decided Labo Labo? I need to. I need a definitive answer. It's officially
1: on this. La. It's officially Labo. Labo, like Nintendo calls it that. So Labo. we're gonna go with that. I reckon. That's not
0: what I. That was neither of my options. Yeah, but like l- Labo is just like labo.
2: too Australian. And also, yeah. a bit problematic if heard in the wrong context. And I suppose. La- Labo is like, could be.
0: I just thought it was short genitalia. for laboratory. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, good point. Yeah. Good point. It's just not yeah. a great name, let's be honest. Uh, anyhow, the, the the build times for some of these things. So This has all kind of come out in like a big FAQ that details a bunch of things. Um, the RC car will take a mere 10 minutes, but the robot up to 240 minutes. Uh, now, I don't feel like we've spoken a great deal about Labo... Are you getting that right? Labo? Yes. You don't have That's to like, slur it I'm just like, I'm singing. It's Labo. Not Labo. It's Labo. Does this new information excite you? Uh, make you more keen on the idea, Stephen? Um,
2: I'm very happy it's happening. It's the kind of thing that I would have absolutely gone, like, ham on as a kid. I'm mm. not going to buy it. It's, it's not for me, and I don't really want to sort of try it and then end up saying oh no it's turns out it actually was for children even though that's kind of what they've been telling us all along but yeah I mean it's good that it's a long you know fairly intensive project some of them like that's the kind of stuff that you could just get stuck into over a weekend and you'd feel like you have something you've made at the end of it and you can play games in your big robot suit that would have been awesome as a kid
0: yeah yeah I don't know if um we've talked about it much on the podcast I but like I'm I've been sort of very skeptical of this whole, this whole thing. I I just didn't, couldn't get around the cardboard idea. It just seemed like. It just seemed like it was going to be a disaster and handing these kind of things to kids like they would last a day and considering you're spending like a lot of money on it in some cases like I just thought they could use a more durable material than cardboard but the FAQ kind of goes into a lot of great detail about there's like spare sheets in there and you can kind of keep the stencils and use them to cut out more cardboard and stuff to replace pieces that become damaged over time and I was like oh yeah actually that makes you make a good point there Um, so I've sort of kind of come around around more on a based on some of this information that's that's kind of coming out um do you think we should have seen more of this in the sort of lead up like it's it's out tomorrow right uh right james like do you think we should have seen a bit better marketing in the lead up to this Uh, this is like really hard i think i think it's really hard because i feel like this product
1: has like been made for this is going to sound like a little bit you know generalizing but i feel like it's made for like a japanese market where um you know People probably stay inside a little bit more. They don't go out as much, um, into like for kids, I mean, like in the winter and stuff. Mm. Um, and, uh, but in Australia, like I, I just, it's really, I think it's going to be a very big word of mouth thing. Like it's going to be about parents. It's all about, it's meant to be all about introducing parents to STEM. Yeah. Or even they call it, Do they call it STEAM now with the arts included or something. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Anyway. Um... <laughs> But getting kids, like, involved in more, like, kind of engineering kind of... It's kind of like, yeah, and it's also a really smart way to, I guess, introduce the Switch as a platform to parents as well, um, because they might see the Labo stuff, and then they they realise you have to buy a Switch for it, and then they can also get Mario on top of that after they've Mm. built their stuff. Um, I think it's something... It's like, if you sent it to... Kotaku, I mean, even Press Start, like all kinds of video gaming outlets, that's not really the audience I think Nintendo wants to reach primarily. No. Um, so that's why I think we're not seeing as much kind of pre release coverage on it.
0: Yeah. Um, and I'll say, like, w- when we've been invited to um, press events for um nintendo labo like we've we've been encouraged to bring kids along and like bring you know along family and stuff and get get them hands on time with it so you know i think that I does think say right. a lot it's about like, who they're aiming for yeah exactly like we're not the target audience here um i'd like to see them maybe kind of like open up dev tools a bit or something and encourage people to have experiment around with it like i, I think but isn't that be what kind the of garage awesome. is Oh, I didn't know that. Tell me more. What's that about? Well, I don't really know. I haven't been
1: following it, and I feel really bad because I'm on a podcast talking about it. But <laughs> um, I thought the podcast bit was not the podcast bit. Oh my god, the, <laughs> the garage bit. is that the secret feature um,
0: in in Labo? <laughs> yeah,
1: like it, you the can, Starcast it,
0: is in the game. <laughs> it's basically like
1: a what you see is what you get kind of editor, but for programming, and you can kind of create things in the in the garage. So, oh, okay.
0: All right. Well, if that's if that is the case, then I'd be excited to see what they they do there. Um, yeah, they could open like I, kind of a modding sort of community. I think could really kind of get around it and do some really neat stuff. Uh, and I might be more interested to see what they do there. Um, but are you guys either if you're going to pick this up, even sort of play around with it? I've not I've not had any hands on time with it. I think Shannon might be the only one that's that's done it. But would you given the opportunity? Would you want to play around with it?
2: Mm, not really. Like I'm, I'm mostly no, curious. Really like, lukewarm, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's very clear that it's just for a different audience and it's really difficult to talk about as like a mainline sort of games coverage sort of angle. But I yeah. think if I did have it, it would be most interesting to see this whole garage thing. Cause it looks like fairly friendly to use, but reasonably powerful sort of setting up a whole bunch of like if this happens then this happens and this event happens after that it triggers off this that and the other based on different conditions it's like it's basically an introduction to programming which is mm. you know something that once again as a kid I would have been all about and hopefully there are kids out there who will you know have this on their switch play around with it and just sort of start getting their mind thinking about how the systems work and yeah, yeah get into that sort of stuff into the stem into the steam yeah
0: yeah, and, then, um, like, these kind, of th- these kind of things weren't really kind of on offer much, I guess, like, not when I was growing up, and I guess not when you guys were growing up as well. Um, I think like, the closest like thing
2: for me was, like, the Lego, oh, they had, like, their ro- robot-y stuff that you could c- yeah. control with a computer, uh, but it was so like expensive. Mas- but, like-
0: Mindstorm sort of yes, stuff? Yes, that that's what it's it. yeah.
2: Yeah, but that was, was so sort of cost prohibitive for like yeah. for me as a kid, and I imagine for a lot of other people. But I think the Switch, while not being crazy cheap, it's a lot less cost prohibitive, and it's not a single use sort of thing. Once you've you know had your fun with with Labo, you can play Smash sure. Bros one day on it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that's what Nintendo are hoping for, too. Um, yeah, well, given the opportunity, I would I would very much like to get my hands on it, even if it does sort of take a bit of time to uh, to assemble. Um, something else that would also take a bit of time, though, I imagine would be playing through the remakes of Shenmue, uh, which have been announced are, cur- are coming to current-gen consoles. A uh, friend of the show, at Man Mikey, over on Twitter writes in, just like you can, and asks, would love to hear you guys talk about the Shenmue HD remakes, and if you guys have played the originals on the amazing, Dream qua- Dreamcast, uh, his words, not mine. I never had a Dreamcast. Uh, James, have you got? Have you played the Shenmue games?
1: Uh, I've played. Oh, I think I've played. the James first- is James oh, there? What? Oh, James. I just realised. Sorry, I was <laughs> didn't hold my button. You might have ah. to delete some of my recording. That's um, right. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I think I played the first one for quite a bit, and then I kind of stopped. No, wait, I lie. I've only played the second one because I only okay. ever
2: have it on Xbox. Um, so, and that was. I don't know if X- the first one came out here, even.
1: I can't even, yeah, I know. I think it it did, but not many copies were made because it was obviously that Dreamcast distributor here was awful. <sighs> yeah, Sega
2: um, Aussie Soft, that was a huge mess. A whole other story. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, but, yeah, I played the second one on Xbox thinking, wow, like, I'm finally going to get to see what all the fuss is about. Um,. And because I played it quite late, like, I think Xbox 360 was even already out. Um, I was not too amazed by it. Like, I understand it kind of, like, set trends and stuff. But I feel like it's probably a lot of the stuff it did has since been done a bit better. Mm. And I hope no one crucifies me for that. But I'm excited to actually play these properly as an adult with, like, taste now, like, so I can, ap- <laughs> so I can appreciate them, because uh, uh-huh. apparently they're updating quite a bit in these. So, yeah, like, I'm pretty keen.
0: Yeah, I'm always kind of keen to play a new game that I've obviously kind of before my time, and and, and it's got some kind of clout behind it as well, like, you know, kind of critically appreciated, I guess, um, and uh, and still people obviously still very fond of it till this day and excited about the third one uh and i think it's important for me to sort of have that sort of context and that sort of background so I, I i've dabbled a few times kind of going back to these games that before my time to sort of gain a better appreciation for it so yeah, if i find the time that that's probably what it's going to come down to me if i have the if I kind of have the the week or two free to sort of sink some time into these, then I'll give it a go. But I just kind of struggle like finding the time to play RPGs unless it's something I'm like dead set on. Ninja. I don't think like,
1: it's like it's not like um it's not like something like that though. Like I. I is feel it not?
0: Like it's not massive. Like it's not like
1: a crazy overwhelming like Final Fantasy esque kind of RPG. Um, right. So. I think I think what really pulls people in and what really burnt a lot of people with Shenmue two was it ends on a pretty big cliffhanger from memory. So obviously, like people are pretty keen to see how it all ends with Shenmue three coming out. Um, mm. Interesting that the remakes are coming on both consoles. Like I don't know if Shenmue three has been confirmed for
0: more than PS four yet. I could be wrong, but yeah, yeah, I'm not hugely sure. Um, Stephen, what's your sort of connection with the uh, the Shenmue games? Are you keen on these? I
2: am keen to try it, mainly because I have never touched a Shen, Shenmue, Shenmue, Shenmu whatever, game before. I've basically only sort of played it vicariously by reading reviews at the time, because, like, the only time I ever touched a Dreamcast was, like, at a demo kiosk at Harvey Norman. But, like, I think it'll be a real test to see whether modern audiences who aren't mad nostalgic for the previous games, whether it actually strikes a chord with them as well. Like my understanding of what made it sort of important at the time, it was kind of the first example of an open world where you could do a whole bunch of things. Like you could have have fights with people with a sort of virtual fighter style uh, battle system. You could um, drive forklifts. You could. It was just like very interactive. Every piece of the environment seemed interactive. Drive a forklift. (laughs) It was a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like it seemed it was sort of a life simulator in that you could just do everything that you could see you could interact with but yeah, kind of like James said that's kind of the expectation now rather than a new novel thing so yeah yeah, whether it's whether it's only going to be the nostalgic people that really enjoy it or whether it's going to be I don't know like something that actually grabs on to modern audiences will be interesting to see (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's one of these things though, that I'm I'm glad exists because there obviously is an audience for it. Like Mad Mikey wouldn't have been writing in asking about us unless he's um, if he wasn't excited about it himself. Um, mm. And you know that someone as someone that's like tremendously excited to see Crash and Spyro back in the conversation, like these properties that had a huge significance to me. That I'm glad that you know other people kind of get games as well that are significant to them. So even yeah. if this game isn't for me, like I'm not gonna kind of dismiss it on, on just that, quickly. Basically. Um, about 20 hours
1: for the first Shenmue, about 30 oh, okay. hours for the second one. So I don't think oh, that's, that's fine. It's like not super unreasonable.
0: No, yeah, that's okay. I yeah, I was thinking like these were like close to 100 hours sort of games. I don't know, I guess. 20 hours of forklift driving, hell yeah. Oh my goodness. That's that's a dream come true right there. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's play a game of What The Wiki, shall we? What The Wiki is the sarcastic game show where the host reads part of a Wikipedia page for an unknown game, and you, the contestants, must guess the game, of course. You can play along at home or wherever you may be listening to the podcast. Uh, Thanks to the official keeper of the score, Jamie Penning, over on Twitter, we have a recap of last week. Stephen, James, and Brody took to the episode's game, and while Stephen showed some gumption, it was Brody who <laughs> took the point and the lead. So Brody's uh, up front with four points. James, you're only a point behind at three, Matt on one, and Stephen yet to enter the scoring. So again, opportunities for everyone here, but most notably for you, James, I think, with a opportunity to sneak that point back on Brody with him slacking this week i don't know where he is got something better to do uh once again thanks <laughs> to a friend of the show at jamie penning over on twitter for suggesting today's first game a reminder that if you want to suggest a game slide into my dms over on twitter at you and all right let's get into the games game number one contestants are you ready ready yes the game is a brawler video game played from a top-down perspective players control the series' titular protagonist and must, must battle against other versions of himself in an arena. The game features a single player story campaign along with cooperative play and multiplayer battle modes that are available to play locally and online. Game modes. There are a total of 10 game modes plus the Cake Royale story mode. The Cake Royale, DDD sets up a mysterious tournament full of the protagonist's clones. Stephen. Stephen? Kirby Battle Royale? It is Kirby Battle Royale. You want to have a guess as to why he uh, suggested we play uh, pick this game today?
2: Because Kirby is delightful and everybody should be his friend.
0: That's- <laughs> that was 100% it? Uh, no, obviously we've been talking way too much about Battle Royale games. Uh, and he thought that'd be a laugh. Um, this sounds like a fun game. Should I check this one out? I don't think it was good. No? I could okay. be wrong.
1: I never played it. I play everything Kirby. I don't know what happened. Okay. I feel it so was, bad uh, that
0: I didn't
2: even recognize it from like the description of a top-down perspective. Like I know so little about it that I don't even know how you play that game. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. I think it. Yeah, it came out after the switch it. came out
1: on 3ds. So like, was I really yeah. gonna? Put, do you know what I mean? It's one of them. Yeah. It,
0: it uh, came out in Europe on the third of November 2017. Yeah, so fairly recently. Oh wow. Oh. That's yeah. Well, well posted. January switch. in North America yeah uh, all right game number two so Stephen you're off uh, you're in the lead at the moment A reminder that it's the best uh, two out of three so if Stephen guesses the next one right he's taking the points and he's entering the scoring game number two. The game is a third-person action-adventure role-playing game. The core mechanic of the game is exploration. Players are encouraged by the game to proceed with caution, learn from past mistakes, or find alternate areas to explore. The game takes place in a large and continuous open-world environment, connected through a central hub area. Players are able to travel to and from areas and explore various paths at will, although certain prerequisites have to be met in order to unlock certain areas. Central to the game are bonfires. Bonfires Steven. are scattered... Stephen? Stephen? Dark Souls 1. It is Dark Souls 1. Well done, Stephen, entering the scoring. Well done. Hooray. Uh, Bonfires gave it away, huh?
2: I was kind of, I was thinking about it to start with, but I was like, oh, it's got to be Dark Souls and Bonfires confirmed it. But I was like, oh, is he going to throw a curveball? And it's like, lol, it's actually Dark Souls 3, you doofus. Yeah,
0: yeah. I wondered. I I thought like the introduction was a bit bizarre. I don't know if I would consider the core mechanic of of a Dark Souls game to be exploration. I'd like, call it
2: one of them. It's it's yeah, a big percent, part. Yeah, like,
0: the one you had signpost though, like exploration. Yeah,
2: I'd in. say that combat is probably the biggest part, but exploration is a close second, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. This is why we do it because Wikipedia descriptions are always conversation starting. Uh, okay, well, well done, Stephen. So that's you onto the onto the scoreboard. You are now tied with uh, Matt at one point. Uh, James at three. Brody on four. Starting to heat up. I'm excited. Uh, and with that, let's bring an end to what was episode 136 of the Startcast. Subscribe to us on podcast one, iTunes, or any other podcast service of your choice. Follow us at Press.au and visit the site at pressstart.com.au. You can also join the conversation using hashtag the Startcast. Send us topic suggestions, what the wiki game suggestions, whatever you whatever you like. Just you know, just have a chat. Uh, we've been joined today by James.
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at @jam, So it's A T J A M Z.
0: You really powered through with your cold today, man. You sounded, yeah, you only sounded pass. a little bit nasally. If, You've done well. If people, oh, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also joining us today and taking home the points with Stephen. Hooray. Um,
2: yeah, I'm at Stephen Imson, S T E V E N I M P S O N. I've been practicing. Um, oh, that had that, like a nice rhythm to it. I like that. Thanks. Um, but yeah, I'm on all the socials at that thing. Uh, say hello. Um, wish James to get well on Twitter, please.
0: Yeah. Uh, and let me mention as well that we've uh, got a, a competition running at the moment um, for one of those limited edition PS4 Pro God of War limited edition things with a copy of the game. Um, pretty sweet prize. I'm kind of jealous that we don't just get to keep it ourselves. Mm-hmm. But no, we're giving or it away. Or yeah, yeah, we can't even do that. Oh gosh, ethics. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely go and enter that competition because it's uh, it is a sick prize. I've been your host, Ewan Roxborough. You can follow me on Twitter at Ewan underscore Roxburgh. Uh, and until next time, happy gaming.
2: Bye. See you later, alligators.